0: G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. All across Australia, Workers are discovering that the 1980s Accord-inspired Enterprise Bargaining Agreement mechanism, the bringing to the table workers and business owners into a negotiated settlement of wages and conditions, was a great big con. Now, the Fair Work Act is allowing bosses to kick workers off their agreements, do no negotiations, set their own low rates all under the Fair Work Act. At the same time, inequality in Australian society is at an all-time high and wages at an all-time low. In today's program, we go down to the picket outside Australian paper in Raglan Street, Preston, Melbourne, just as the strikers have been told they have been ordered back to work by the Fair Work Commission after five weeks out. We follow this with a win in the ACT. Unions ACT has announced the defeat of worker surveillance laws in front of the ACT Assembly last week. But first, some workers' news. The New South Wales Government deployed police to crack down on truck drivers on February the 1st in a blitz that involved Victorian Queensland, South Australian and ACT police forces, checking trucks entering and leaving New South Wales. This blitz was the government's response to some high-profile crashes over the Christmas period involving trucks. Police inspecting 5,000 trucks, issuing over 2,000 truck defect notices and revealing 26 drivers tested positive for drugs, while inspectors finding one driver working in excess of the 12-hour limit who was almost asleep at the wheel. But there is more to this story than the quick knee-jerk response from a couple of pollies. Numerous academic studies and coronial inquiries have established the lethal dynamic between pay and safety on the roads and the need for a safe rate system. A report by the National Transport Commission states there is solid survey evidence linking payment levels and systems to crashes, speeding, driving while fatigued and drug use. Tony Sheldon, National Secretary of the Transport Workers Union said We've seen the statistics now of 2,000 defects found amongst 5,000 trucks uh, an 86% increase in deaths in articulated vehicles in New South Wales alone Uh, substantial increases right across the trucking industry in fatalities. And these instances we've now seen with these defects just demonstrates what we've been saying is the heart of the problem in the trucking industry. And the economic pressure on trucking companies and truck drivers is enormous.
1: We have to be turning around and having a government and calling on the federal government to act,
2: not be silent, when there's so many deaths, fatalities and injuries occurring within this industry.
0: In October, a cross-party Senate committee approved a report recommending that the government facilitate industry talks to establish an independent industry body which has the power to formulate, implement and enforce supply chain standards and accountability, as well as sustainable, safe rates for a transport industry. The Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, the AUWU, is claiming a victory for their February flood campaign that called on citizens to email senators to vote down the Welfare Reform Bill introduced by the Turnbull government. The Welfare Reform Bill included the loss of appeal rights, a cashless welfare card tied to big business outlets, doubling of work for the dole hours and volunteer hours for older recipients. Last week, Nick... Xenophon team, the NXT, social services spokeswoman Rebecca Sharkey said her party was not yet satisfied that our concerns in relation to a couple of the measures have been addressed. As a result, this week the welfare reform bill has been taken off the Senate's agenda. Thanks to all the work done by AUWU volunteers and supporters, we helped knock this part of the government's welfare crackdown on the head, says Owen Bennett, Secretary of the AUWU. However, we still have a lot of work to do. We have been told that the coalition government are going to split up the bill and try to pass it later in the year. We must keep resisting the government's welfare crackdown, he said. Those wishing to be more involved should go to the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union website for further information. <laughs> Disturbing reports of slavery conditions at some ACT embassies on ABC's Four Corners program are not news to Union's ACT or the Salvation Army. Alex White, Secretary of the Union's ACT, explains. So what
1: we know is a small number of uh, embassies treat their uh, their household staff who are brought into Australia on diplomatic visas to work directly for diplomats and senior embassy staff, treat them in slave-like conditions, and it is a severe and extreme form of worker exploitation, far beyond what we would normally consider uh, very bad cases. So we know that there's uh, staff who've been paid as little as $1 or $2 an hour. They have their uh, passports removed, they're required to work for 12 or uh, 18 hours a day, there's no overtime, they work every single day. Uh, they're subject to victimisation, to uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse in some cases, and threats of deportation if they complain. And they're also not allowed to leave the, um, the, house, the household of uh, the diplomat. There's a very severe form of modern-day slavery that occurs in a small number of uh, embassies. And what we have is a federal government who knows about it, and they know about it because unions and the Salvation Army have told them for many years. They know about it, but they're not willing to take the diplomatic steps to enforce Australia's laws. let to be clear, there is, there, our laws protect those workers. Australia's laws protect those workers. The fact that they are in an embassy working for a diplomat does not change the fact that Australia's laws apply to those workers. What the... Diplomats are relying on is their diplomatic immunity from prosecution to avoid the consequences of their illegal behaviour as an employer, and the federal government is refusing to take the steps, the diplomatic steps, to approach the embassy or to approach a foreign nation and request that the diplomatic immunity be removed to allow Australia's laws to be enforced. It's a very serious, uh, very serious and severe exploitation is modern-day slavery, and many people don't believe this kind of thing happens in Australia or happens in Canberra. But it is uh, it is happening. It's happening in some of the richest suburbs in Canberra and some of the richest houses, uh, expensive houses in Canberra. The ACT the ACT government could also help these exploited workers by introducing a law that we've called the Visa Sponsor of Last Resort Law, and that basically means that the ACT government can take over the visa sponsorship of the exploited worker to remove the fear of deportation. We've been working for the last two years with the ACT government. Once again, the principal barrier for that is a political barrier with the unwillingness of the federal government to, to introduce the MOU or to direct border force and Department of Immigration uh, to allow these laws to, to take effect. Yes.
0: Port Kembla Coal Terminal workers were locked out for a second time on February the 15th. The 59 workers were locked out on January the 7th for five days. These lockouts are part of PKCT's Port Kembla Coal Terminals ongoing drive to force workers to accept cuts to their wages and conditions. PKCT has been in negotiations with the Construction, Forestry, Mining and Energy Union, the CFMEU, for a new agreement since 2015, when the previous enterprise agreement expired. The company has been pushing to reduce conditions, including remove sick leave provisions and cutting its superannuation payments. It also wants to scrap consultation and dispute clauses that has limited the speed with which it could cut conditions. This is a way of transitioning from self managed work teams to units under direct management control in order to drive speed ups. Southwest Vice President of the CFMEU Mining and Energy, Bob Timms, said PKCT has also taken the extraordinary step of applying to the Fair Work Commission to terminate the current enterprise agreement and to go back to the award. This is unacceptable to workers who have accepted wage increases over several years based on trade-offs that have provided tangible benefits to the company, he said. PKCT is also attempting to instigate a divide-and-rule approach by seeking to exclude 20% of the workforce from the new agreement. Workers have rejected this move in a vote late last year, but instead of finding a solution, the company and its shareholders have decided on a lockout. Tim said. You're listening to Stick Together, Workers' Stories and Union News. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Workers at Australian Paper, part of the international company Nippon Paper Group, down in Preston, Victoria have been on strike for five weeks. The first strike in workers' living memory. When we went down to talk to them outside the factory, they had just been told by their union representative from the Australian Manufacturing Workers' Union, the AMWU, that the Fair Work Commission had ordered them back to work. Here's their story. So the Fair Work Commissioner has um, ordered the employees back to work as of six o'clock tomorrow morning, and the picket line has been suspended for 10 days. And what is their reasoning? Um, To restart the negotiations between both sides. And that's pretty much about it. We don't have dates, times or anything for meetings, but um, from what I understand, the meetings will be kicking off as of tomorrow. So what were the problems? What what caused you to go on uh, a picket? Um, The company has tried to drop the employees' uh, RDOs from 16 to 12. Um, and trying to grandparent their, their pay rates as per their classification. So if you're above the classification rate, you will not receive an EBA increase until the others catch up to you. Right, OK. So that means that all the different people here... Never get a pay
2: rise. It's impossible to get a pay rise because no-one will ever catch up to anyone else. You've got to learn basically three machines to catch up to each other. We're all on different levels and they don't need everyone to know everything. So, and even if everyone catches up to everyone, all they need to do is hire one new person and start him off at the base rate and no one gets anything again. It's called the grandparenting rule. It's a cause to stop you from getting any pay raises. They're telling you they're giving you something, but in effect, they've got a loophole to stop you from getting something.
0: So what's, what, what do people feel about this decision
2: well if you've been out on strike for 22 days no pay right i mean obviously people feel very strongly you're only talking inflation money one percent two percent three percent which is nothing right and they're essentially capping you from ever getting anything you can work here for 10 years and never get a pay rise how can that be everyone gets a little bit everyone gets inflation money it's just ridiculous
0: what's the company's name
2: australian paper australian office out of Nippon paper we should mention this I think, global, global producer of paper we're run by the biggest manufacturing paper in the world and they want to cap our wages
0: and when did it start? when did they say that? Were-
2: well these negotiations, EBA negotiations started over 10 months ago so they've been dragging this out for 10 months to the point where we've basically gone on strike um, and um, after 20 odd days of being on strike they still haven't budged and now the Commissioner's ordered us back to work in order to get negotiations going. But they've had over 10 months to do negotiations, right? So what's the difference if they have 10 days of us building up their stock again, which they've just basically run out of, right? They can drag their feet again and we can be back out here again. It's just a stalling tactic, really. the they want me to bring up... is A month, a week before Christmas break in December, their first part of action was to... Um, Um, not complete our daily production sheet and the computer work, which takes up about uh, 15 to 20 minutes of our day throughout the whole course of the day.
0: did they pay you for that?
2: No, what they did, they they said that they calculated and they hand-delivered letters to us individually, right, stating that they've calculated that our paperwork and our computer work adds up to 90 minutes. So they deducted 90 minutes from all of our wages... When in actual fact it's only 15 to 20 minutes work.
0: And anyway, it's work, it's still work.
2: Well they, well basically you're doing that paperwork when you the machines are running and you're obviously multitasking, the machines don't stop.
0: But, but I mean it's not uh, just because you're doing machi- not doing machine work doesn't mean paperwork isn't work.
2: Okay, what happened is uh, we took uh, clever industrial action against them, which was fair. They didn't like it, so they decided to hit us with that. and they went through the commission. And apparently the lorry is that they can nominate as much as they think is uh, capable for that time period, but um, that's a, we're out of pocket uh, $150 each for every day, four days before Christmas. There's four people, yeah, and only one man is doing this paperwork. But all of a sudden we were all, we but, have but, money uh, for 90 minutes, every but, single one. You know? but, that's basically what they've done. They've taken 90 minutes from us when it's only 15 minutes work. But all they have, and uh, we've gone to the commissioner about it, and uh, that's still something that's got to be sorted out. Um, but at this stage, we're um, forced to go back in tomorrow and negotiate. But I don't see what they're going to negotiate in 10 days that they haven't been able to do for the last 10 months plus. For 10 months, we were running, right? EBA discussions were going on. Everyone was working, all full production, and they didn't budge on anything and now they've gone to the Commission and they want us to go back for 10 days, how are they going to do something in 10 days that they weren't willing to do in the last 10 months?
0: How are you feeling about this? i shattered. Uh,
1: I can't talk at the moment.
2: I can't understand how Commissioner McKinnon made this decision for workers to go back in if they they don't negotiate in in, in good faith in, in 10 days and they can come out again. How can they come out again if they go in? It's a, this is an un-Australian sort of attitude for, by everyone, not, not just only the company and the commission as well. Oh, you know, we'll try to get an appeal, see if they, we can appeal the decision.
0: And you work here? I'm
2: an employer here. I've been here for the last seven years. I mean, I've worked with people that have been here over 25 years. Um, yeah, This is the first time this company has ever come to the point where they've gone on strike in their whole existence. That's what I was told by the uh, statements that have been here for a long period of time. They've never ever gone on strike indefinitely before. And as I said, it's dragged out five weeks. And um, now they're forcing us to go back in order to do something they haven't been able to do for ten months. So,
0: you know. How long have you been working here? 23 years. So how are you feeling about this decision?
1: Bad really, not happy.
0: So you went on strike, it was important enough for you guys to go on strike?
3: Yes, yes. Every couple of years years we've got um, enterprise bargaining with the company Mm -hmm. and there are a few points we're going through. The main point is um, pay increase, but this time there came two different uh, subjects, which was um, reducing our RDO. Uh, amount, amount of the days. We have uh, 16 by now. They wanted to reduce by four, so it would be 12. Um, the explanation of uh, management was that some machines have been operating on 24-hour shift. So those people working a little bit and then people who work normal uh, shift the morning and afternoon. And we understand that it's just the beginning. So at the moment, it's excuse because some machines, they're working only a shorter amount of... Uh, yes, we understand that sooner they will put all the machines to operate on uh, three shifts, then will be excuse No time put aside for adios. Therefore, no adios. That's our mentality that's the way we understand it, and I believe it's pretty logical. Another thing is so-called grandparenting. Grandparenting is putting... Um, as mostly men, because their wages are different to the girls. That, I mean, I'm talking girls, but we're talking about ladies employed there. You know, that's our slang. Mm-hmm. So the girls, it um, doesn't matter how long they've been employed, they get the same rate per hour, which is $21.53. Men get uh, higher rates. It depends how many machines they can operate. But lately they put so-called classification, which limits men to uh, get promotion. Because they put the cap on the, you know, on the rating. Sorry, my. Well, they
0: cap. They cap how much you can earn.
3: Yes, yes. For some time, the company stopped negotiating at all, and it's last too long. Our uh, previous agreement finished, I believe, uh, in April last year. So we've just been hanged in, in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. Plus, they offer us zero increase for the first year of negotiation for enterprise bargaining. And then after, I think, 2% or 2.5%. So it's below inflation. We don't really want to be on strike because it hurts us as well. We don't get paid for this time, but it looks like we haven't got any other choice.
0: Also, you were saying this is very similar to other workers in Australia.
3: Yes. Anytime I switch on the news... uh, some information pops out that uh, a lot of workers, they've been stagnant with their payments and they simply can't survive. Everything goes up, the prices go up, the bills are up, a lot of people got obligations, a lot of people got credit card, little kids, and they struggle. They compromise, they are buying cheaper food They compromise even on veggies. You eat whatever you can afford.
0: You're listening to Stick Together Union News, Workers' Stories, and Social Justice Issues. Two years ago, dangerous new laws were introduced into the ACT Assembly that would have allowed employers and insurance companies to conduct covert surveillance on workers outside the workplace. And despite These laws having already been passed in Victoria and New South Wales, unions ACT were part of a pushback. Alex White, Secretary of Unions ACT. So
1: in 2016, the ACT government tabled legislation that would give the power to employers and insurance companies to conduct covert surveillance outside of the workplace. So in the ACT, there's a law called the Workplace Privacy Act. It uh, ensures workers' privacy, but it also gives limited powers for covert surveillance of workers inside workplaces. So that's putting hidden cameras above uh, tills or in um, uh, storerooms to make sure that there's no stock theft or or other things. Uh, Mm -hmm. This law uh, quite dramatically expanded the right of employers and insurance companies to... Uh, hire private detectives to conduct covert surveillance, so they would allow uh, effectively people with telephoto lenses and video cameras to follow workers around outside of the workplace and take photos of them as they left their house, while they visited their friends, while they picked up their kids, or while they they attended uh, union meetings. This is a very, very extreme and very serious uh, expansion of Employers' powers and an erosion of workers'
0: rights. What was the motivation? What was the stated motivation for the uh, increase in powers? The desire for the increase in powers.
1: Well, the stated motivation was uh, to ensure, actively, that um, uh, the insurance companies could uh, could chase uh, compensation.
0: Right, Okay, And this is to do with uh, OH&S claims and things of that nature?
1: The principal advocate for this law was the the insurance industry. They lobbied the government uh, a couple of years beforehand, so in 2014, Mm -hmm. uh, to have this power. And then the government behind the scenes basically wrote up all the amendments and uh, tabled them and surprised unions and also everyone else, the Law Society our Association Human Rights Commission with just plucking it on the table. Now the thresholds for accessing this power were very low. So it was just a reasonable belief that unlawful activity uh, was taking place. Now unlawful activity is incredibly vague and reasonable belief is a very low threshold. So it threw into play a whole bunch of uh, potential breaches of representational rights and union rights. So an employer could use this power to conduct covert surveillance of a worker, if they had a reasonable belief that there was unlawful activity, for instance, they could say, we believe that, um, our workers, who is a union, our worker with a union delegate is uh, planning to engage in unlawful behaviour by organising a picket of our workplace or a, uh, a wildcat action or a secondary boycott. And it was so vague about unlawful activity wasn't criminal activity, it wasn't some higher threshold, any unlawful activity that would allow for this covert surveillance to take place. Yeah, so it was yeah. uh, incredibly concerning because, as uh, your listeners would know, we've had, uh, in Canberra, very extreme employers uh, be exposed about their conduct towards workers and unions, particularly during the Royal Commission uh, two years ago. Uh, we had uh, employers try to charge union officials with blackmail for engaging in enterprise bargaining, for approaching the employer and saying, we want to bargain with union. Em- employers in the ACT have attempted to charge union organisers with blackmail. And we know that there are a handful of rogue, hostile, anti-union employers who, if they had this power, would use it to victimise union delegates and union members. So it was very concerning. Now, at that time, we spoke with a minister who was Shane Rattenbury, who was a Greens minister, Introduced the law, expressed our concerns very strongly. He uh, agreed to not withdraw the law, but he delayed the implementation of the law by two years. Over the past two years, unions in Canberra and unions ACT have been working closely with the new minister, who is a Labor Industrial Relations Minister, to ensure that we can abolish the laws. And this week, the the Assembly had a bill tabled that would completely abolish this right and remove the offending laws. So it's a major win very uh, important restoration of workers' rights to privacy and it also ensures that workers in Canberra still have a right to engage in union activity without the fear of victimisation or having a private detective taking photos putting them outside their house.
0: That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Thank you to the workers on the Australian Paper Picket and Alex White from Union ACT for being part of the program. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.